0: For those who don't know, my name's Matt. Um, I'm uh, part of the staff team here at church. I also get to do young adult things as well. Um, so if you're a young adult and you're brand new to Woody's, uh, a very warm welcome. I'd love to chat to you as well as uh, introduce you to some of our leaders. Um, but this evening, um, I get uh, the joy, I think, um, to speak to you all and actually kick off our new series. Um, we're starting a new series going through the Book of Acts. Um, it's a brilliant book. And so if you're someone who uh, likes to have a physical Bible um, with you, I'd encourage you now to get physical Bibles out. Um, If you are not one of those people, I'd encourage you now to get a phone out. Maybe Google it if you're brand new. Google Acts 1, um, because that's what we're going to be going through. Um, I'm actually going to kick us off as we start this series um, that we're calling This Same Jesus. Um, By reading through the passage, we're going to base this talk off. Um, So we're going to read from Acts that's 1, verse 1 through to 11. If you've got it on your Bible, have a little look at it. If not, don't worry. It's always going to come up on the screen too. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek as well. Um, actually, where I'm going to end this talk is with two invitations. Uh, one invitation is to come to Jesus. turn to Jesus. The second invitation is going to be filled to be filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission of Jesus. So you can leave now if you don't want um, to hear the rest of this, but that is where we're heading. Let's get into this. Acts 1, 1 through to 11. Um, Here's what it says. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Cutting in there at the moment, all these um, guys that were following Jesus, um, their hopes were when Jesus returned was that this was going to be the moment where Jesus overthrows the Roman Empire, where he says, this is the kingdom restored, all my people, here's your space, here's your kingdom, live freely, and um, this is your moment. But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. This gets a little bit weird. You might think, hey, what's going on here? Um, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sights. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. This is our reading that we're looking at. Um, But I don't know what you're like at reading, reading books. I feel like we should do like a a GCSE test for people to to get into church. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm not very good at reading. I get halfway through a book and then I lose interest straight away. Here's some of the books that I've been going through at the moment. This book here. I felt holy one moment and I was like, I'm going to get this book, Sacred Fire, a vision for a deeper human in Christian maturity. I got two chapters into that and I struggled. So I was like, do you know what? Park that. Left it. Dave then chatted to me. He was like, Matt, what are you reading? I was like, oh, I'm looking for a new book. He said, Matt, this is the book that you should read. This one here, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. I took that to heart. I was like, Dave, yeah, I know it. I'm a sinner and sufferer, but sure. I got through half of this book, and I learned a lot about myself, and then just life happened, and I was like, oh, I'll park that. So I parked it. I was then like, oh, maybe I'm reading two long books. So I got this tiny little book. I was like, oh, maybe this is gonna be one for me, Christian character. I was like, surely I could get through that. No, no, I didn't. Um, Maybe I'll come back to that later. What else have I got? This book. I was like, I'm a millennial. I look old, but I'm a millennial. And uh, one thing we get accused of is being um, a bit flaky. A little bit kind of... And so I was like, I'm reading this book, Grit. (laughs) Why passion and resilience are the secrets to success. I got quite a long way through that, and then I just felt a little bit overwhelmed. So then I read this book. The burden is light. (laughs) liberating your life from the tyranny of performance and success. Uh, I got halfway through that and I was like, no, actually I want to get doing stuff. I want to get active. And I then started reading this book, The Meaning of Marriage. I was about to get married. I was like, I'm gonna read this. Um, I got halfway through and I got married and I thought, Do you know what? I'll just figure it out. Um, so I stopped <laughs> reading that one. Um, then Abby, my wife was like, Matt, you just read Christian books. So I was like, I'm gonna read another book, King the autobiography of Martin Luther King. Um, a wonderful book, a wonderful person. I was like, I want to learn more about him. It's massive. <laughs> I was never going to get through that. So I was like, maybe it's just a little, bit, a little bit too important. And I was like, let's get a little bit lighthearted. Surely Ramesh Ranganathan doesn't write any serious words. Again, only got halfway through. Essentially, I'm rubbish at reading. And there's two problems with that. When you leave a book halfway through, the two problems are, if you want to rejoin that book, you have to recap over everything that's already happened, if you only stop it halfway through, you don't find out what happens at the end. And maybe you miss the crucial bit, the important thing that speaks maybe more to me than that first half in that book. And essentially what we're doing now when we're jumping into Acts, we're jumping into the middle of a book. And so when we hit the middle of a book, one thing we need to start off with is we start by looking back. Now, the writer of Acts is a guy called Luke who is a doctor, um, and so detail is so important for him, but for Luke, um, Acts is only the second part of what he's writing, because the first part actually alludes to it at the very beginning, where it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to quickly look back, it's a little bit of a recap, about the key person, the person that I attested completely transforming my life. A person that actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, will say, this guy is the most important person to me. This person transformed my life and set me free. But actually, we need to remind you of who Jesus is. It's We easily forget. Actually, maybe you're brand new to faith. Maybe you've literally just walked into church. You've gone, I don't really know what I'm doing here. We're singing nice songs. It feels good. But... What are we actually doing this for? And and that's why it's important we need to fix ourselves on looking back before we start then reading ahead the book of Acts. And so for us now, taking back to the beginning of the story of the Bible, actually the beginning of the story of the whole world, we see God create a world that is good. He creates everything in human beings that says, human beings, you're very good. It says that he walks in the garden. It's like a a, a metaphor for um, for God is so close with his people. The creator of the world is there walking and loving his people. But what happens is something called sin enters the world. And that's where people miss the mark. When actually we read about it in Adam and Eve, they they actually decide, actually we want to be lord of our own lives. We want to know everything that God knows. We want to be the ones that dictate the direction of where our lives go. And in doing so, they elevate themselves or try to elevate themselves above God. And what enters in the world is brokenness, a broken relationship between us and God, but even a brokenness in the, uh, the world that we live in. And we read through the rest of the Bible are people that are trying to get back in relationship with God. They're trying to work out what does freedom mean? What does living life to the full mean? What does it look like to live and work out life here on earth? But even if we look at our own lives and our own world now, I don't know about you, but the world seems broken. There's dark stuff going on. There's injustice it seems like there's broken systems everywhere. You see a a massive number of, even just looking at, at school children now, they're going back to school, a huge mental health epidemic. See, one in four kids aren't even going to school anymore in the UK because they're so anxious of turning up to school. You see food poverty through the roof, you see all these different things, you see a broken world, and then I turn and look inside myself. And I'm broken too. I see a guy who is prideful. I see myself and, and so many times I want to elevate myself above God. I see someone that hurts people around me. Whether I mean to, and sometimes I do, if I'm totally honest. Or if I do it by accident. Do I see myself loving God and loving other people? No, I miss the mark so often. Because I'm broken inside as well as our world, which we so obviously see is broken. Maybe you relate. Maybe you don't. But I wonder if we look inside, do we see lostness? Do we see a sense of I want to kind of, I'm going to carve my own path. I'm going my own way. And maybe it goes well, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's really hard. Maybe you feel a sense of shame or guilt and it's just following you around. You feel like surely life isn't meant to feel like a prison. And then in comes Jesus. Jesus, who the Bible says is fully God, fully human. It's God not being distant and far away and say, hey, people, you do your thing. Just carry on with your little broken world, your little broken lives. Do your own thing. No, you see, for God so loved the world, for God so loves you, they sent Jesus into the world. And Jesus enters the world not as some amazing kind of pompous king that's like, I'm a ruler, fetch me a sword, I'm going to kill all the bad people. He comes born humble in a stable. God. In Philippians, a a letter that um, Paul wrote, he it says that Jesus in very nature was God humbled himself, did not consider that to be something to lord over people or say, oh, do you know who you're talking to? It's God, me, God. But he humbled himself to the image of a human being and he went to a cross and died for you and for me. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. And if we track through his life, if we carry on reading through the life of Jesus, if we read through Luke's um, gospel, we'll see all sorts of incredible things that Jesus did. Jesus' life was marked by healings, a restoration, of going to people who were marginalized, who were on the outskirts of society, people that no one wanted to be around. Jesus was in the mix. We see he drives out impure spirits, setting people free from darkness. We see, he raised people from the dead, Yeah, loved the people who are marginalized, loved sinners, people who missed the mark. He was in the mix. God was in the mix with sinners. If you feel like you've missed the mark, Jesus is with you. He feeds those who are hungry. He takes a stand for justice. He dies on the cross and rose again. Why to forgive us to set us free, to make us right with God, that all we need to do is say, Jesus, I turn to you. I'm going my own way. I've messed up. I feel a sense of, oh, something's just not right in my life. But I turn to you. I look to you. And Jesus takes that, dies on the cross, rises again, defeating sin and death. Here's invitation number one. Invitation number one is come to Jesus. Whether you've known him for a long time and maybe you do the little kind of life assessment of what's the diagnostic of my life at the moment or slightly things aren't going so well or, or I haven't kind of come to Jesus for a while or maybe I'm a little bit distant, detached from my faith or maybe this is brand new and I'm looking for what it looks like to live full life. Come to Jesus, receive the love of Jesus. It's a beautiful little parable that um, Luke's, uh, Luke tell, that Jesus tells um, and Luke records um, of the parable of the Lost Son. And maybe you this evening feel lost. Maybe you feel like uh, in this story where um, a son says, Father, I want all my inheritance and I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna spend it how I want and, and lives a life of spending money left, right and center, living a life of luxury, but the money runs out. And he ends up working with pigs, literally swimming around in mud. But the feeling that that son has is, I can't return to my father Because surely he's going to be really angry with me. Surely he can't love me. Me in the dirt with pigs who spent all his money, who's lived their own life, who's lived a frivolous life. Surely not me. But what the story tells is that the father, when the son comes to him with his tail between his legs, the father runs out to him, arms wide open, so said, this is my son. I love my son. Let's party. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you can't come to God. Surely God doesn't want to know me. Surely God can't love me. Surely not. That story, that parable is true. That is the posture God has towards you. That he loves you. His arms are wide open. He's ready for you. He wants to love you. And so when we come to this passage in Acts, when we start reading this book of Acts, this is the backdrop in which Acts plays out. This is crucial whenever we're reading about the early church, post-Jesus dying and, and raising to life. This is what we need to, every single Sunday, come back to. This is what it's all about. But that's just half the story. When we read on through Acts, there's that bit where Jesus leaves and and goes into the sky. It's a little bit mystical and a bit like, oh, did that actually happen? And it's like, oh, well, Luke was a doctor and someone who loved detail. And so would he think this is something that is like, is this real life or not? Like, I think it is, but it is strange. And so it's worth acknowledging. It's a little bit strange. But I think what it's also saying is that actually, the disciples, the followers of Jesus needed to see that Jesus was going. They needed to see that Jesus was leaving, not because the mission of what he had began had finished, but because the method in which that mission was being carried out has changed. And so we see Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. He spent 40 days, I wish I was there to hear Jesus, essentially do a Bible study, on the kingdom of God. That will be a small group I want to be a part of, but I have to settle with the small groups here, which are just as good. Um, The mission continues, the life of Jesus. It's the same Jesus as before, the same Jesus that we read throughout the whole of Luke, the same Jesus I've described to you, all the wonderful things that he did, all the things that he's done for us, the same Jesus then is now with us but by the Holy Spirit. The mission continues. The mission of the kingdom of God. Seeing breakthrough transformation. Seeing people's lives changed. Seeing justice where there is injustice. Seeing people love to feel they are unloved. Seeing healings that we would never believe could be possible. Seeing people set free. People brought from darkness into light. That same mission continues but the method changes in acts 1 verse 8 it says this but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in jerusalem and all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth halfway through the book we read on the mission is for us the second invitation is do you want to be part of the mission of god do you want to see the things that Jesus did that we read about in the Bible? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you want to see this stuff happen? Because the invitation is there for you not to live a boring life, but to live a life that brings the kingdom of God wherever we go. But that's hard, isn't it? Like That feels like a challenge. That feels like, yeah, sure, God, we want to see all this good stuff, but <laughs> me, you know me, God. You know, I can't even finish a book. <laughs> How can I expect to see this things happen? Surely not me, God. Surely not us. Like maybe you look to people to your left and right, you think, definitely not them. <laughs> maybe me, but definitely not them. Because the challenge is so high. And I want to give some context to this, because I feel like actually the disciples knew that this was a massive challenge. They've been around Jesus. They've seen this stuff already. So they, their faith levels must have been pretty high. See, so he's just risen from the dead. But the challenge was that actually, Jerusalem, the first place that Jesus says, but stay in Jerusalem and be my witness in Jerusalem first, actually, Jerusalem was the place where Jesus had just been killed. There's an angry mob had killed Jesus. Like, what's it like being a Jesus follower? In that context, the disciples, the people that followed Jesus had been completely scattered all over the place. There was fear, the hopes and dreams of a whole um, group of people had been dashed in one act of, of Jesus being killed. A movement, it felt like, had been eradicated. And then Jesus says, you're going to be my witness. Go back to Jerusalem. Start there, but wait I wonder if it feels the same for us. Um, I had to go at drawing some graphs. Oh, yes. Here's the first graph. Kingdom of God and challenge. (laughs) Look at that graph. Actually, the more of the kingdom of God we want to see, the harder it feels. Life feels tough. If I say to you now, hey, chat to your mate who doesn't know Jesus yet. Share a little bit about your faith. Share what Jesus has done for you. And maybe tell him that that's, Possible for him too, or oh, that your work colleague that's really sick at the moment, and um, pray that they'll be healed. Like, how does that feel? <laughs> In me, I'm, I'm shaking. <laughs> like there's a high challenge, but we want to see the kingdom of God. Hopefully, we don't disagree that we all want to see the kingdom of God come. But the challenge is so high. But that's where Jesus said, but wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the graph then looks like this. You've got a kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. And the more the Holy Spirit we receive, the more the kingdom of God we see breaking around us. But here's a reality. And here's maybe four groups of people that are here now in the room. Because when you have very little of the Holy Spirit and you don't see a lot of the kingdom of God around you, actually life is boring as heck. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not really waiting for, to be filled with the Spirit and you're not really up for doing the amazing things that Jesus did, like I've got to be honest, I've been there. It's boring. But if you want to see a lot of the kingdom of God breaking around you, You're not first waiting for the Holy Spirit. You're going to burn out. The kingdom of God is not about doing, doing, doing. Come on, Christians, let's get busy. You're going to burn out. But if we fully just lead into the Holy Spirit and are like, yes, I'm going to hear, I'm going to worship, I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit, amazing things. But if you're not up for taking any steps, if you're not up for taking a risk, if you're not up for being a witness of what Jesus has done in your life, if you're not up for seeing breakthrough around you, the kingdom of God breaking in around you, if you're not up for that mission, maybe it's a bit harsh, but you'll end up bloated you'll end up as a bloated Christian, filled filled with the spirit, yeah, and it's a a beautiful thing, but if it's not changing your life, or if it's not about the the stranger or the marginalized, the person that doesn't know Jesus yet, if it's not directed outwards as an overflow to other people, you're just going to end up a bit puffed up. We see that when Paul writes to the church in Corinthians. We see a a church that is kind of, Busting with the gifts of the Spirit. Everyone's speaking tongues. So filled with the Spirit. But so forgetting this is about the kingdom of God. It's not a consumeristic faith. End up bloated. But that top right quadrant, breakthrough. Here's what Jesus is all about. Here's what Jesus is saying. He said, you want to see these things happen. You want to see breakthrough?" You wanna see all the situations that you can literally name now around you that are going on. You wanna see God, the power of God break through in these situations. What it looks like is day by day by day by day, wait to be filled with the Spirit. When we wait to be filled with the Spirit and cooperate with the mission of God, we see breakthrough happening. That's invitation number two. Do you want to be part of the mission of God? Here in Bristol, whether you're here in Bristol for the first time, or you've just arrived, whether you've been here for ages, do you want to see God break through, not just in your life, but in the lives of people around you? Do you want to see a whole city changed? It starts with, but wait in Jerusalem. Wait in your bed when you wake up. Wait before you go into a meeting at work. Wait before you have a conversation with your friend. Wait. To be filled with the Spirit. It's really important as well to say, why should we do this? Is is Jesus just a busybody? Did Jesus have a Messiah complex? Like, no. No. Why do we do these things? It's not to see just stuff happen. We do it because God so loved the world. God so loves you. And God wants to invite you into the mission of loving other people. We don't do it from a sense of duty, we do it from a sense of love. When we continue throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we're going to see the early church navigating these things of what does it mean to participate in the kingdom of God, participate in the mission of God, to be church and to be filled with the spirit first. We're going to see what that looks like. Um, So do keep on coming along as we progress through the book of Acts. Maybe even read Acts this week. But I want to come into a close now again on those two invitations invitation 1 is do you want to come to Jesus maybe now is an opportunity where you've never you've never actually given your life to Jesus and said actually I've tried my hardest my own way it's really tough i'm struggling turn to Jesus maybe You've actually been a Christian for a while, but you, you look at it so you think, oh my goodness, I've actually been going my own way. And I'm feeling these things, I'm feeling these stresses, I'm feeling this kind of imprisonment come to Jesus. Invitation two, if you want to see breakthrough, break through the kingdom of God, join the mission, be filled with the Spirit. So I wonder now if we will head back into worship. I wonder if you're able to, to to stand with me. Um, And we're going to spend some time worshipping Jesus. Surprise, surprise. But I wonder now, as we look to respond to this, as we look to respond to the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus, I wonder now, If you're someone who wants to respond to that first invitation, coming to Jesus, turning to Jesus for the first time, or maybe recommitting, (laughs) that's a lovely retail, I like that. Um, If you want to respond to that invitation, I wonder if now, as we're standing, um, I'm just going to pray for you. But I wonder if you also, um, in your own mind as well, want to pray the same prayer with me? It's just a prayer of saying that you want to, you've tried your own way. You feel like it isn't working out. Maybe you acknowledge that you've messed up. Well, I wonder if you want to pray along with me this prayer that essentially just says that you're sorry, that you've tried it your own way, but now you want to turn to Jesus, you want to live for Him. Maybe even you want to give your life to him and follow him. I wonder if you just want to repeat that as I pray this over us now. So here's a prayer Lord Jesus, I confess my sins, I've messed up. I ask Jesus for your forgiveness please come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer right now. Amen.